I want you to think of a time that you waited for something with great expectation. It could have been an upcoming trip. It may have been when a loved one was going to be coming over. It could be, as we see right now, especially with the kids, as you look ahead to Christmas and the hope you have for the different gifts that you're going to receive. Now, speaking of kids, I remember the great anticipation in my house whenever we were looking forward to the birth of our kids. Many of you know our story that we went through more than 10 years of infertility. So when the news came that we were finally going to be able to have kids when our first one was born and then our second and our third one, there was always great anticipation in our home. Now, because we were happy no matter what they were, we actually chose to be surprised each time. And we didn't know whether it was going to be a boy or a girl until the moment of birth. And I want to show you a video here that shows um, the news that I was able to share with what were then at the time my two young daughters as I came home from the hospital and let them know that they had a brother. Watch this. Remember, we have a surprise about a new baby. You have a new brother. I love a brother. You love a brother? I like brothers. I don't. You don't have a you have a brother now. Yeah. Do you know what his name is? It's Zachary David. Huh? Hey, Zachary's the boy who gave me that car. Oh, well now your brother is named Zachary. You have a brother and a sister. You I, have... I like when I have a brother. You like having a brother? Before. You never had a brother before. Will you have one now? Yeah. Let me see on the video. Oh. Okay. Let me see. Let me see. You have a brother. Uh. Yeah, brother. He <laughs> doesn't like a brother. We have a new baby. You're gonna go see your new baby. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, did you see the difference in the reaction? (laughs) You should see the reaction now. They don't always want a brother, but... You know, Sarah was still very little, but even at that age, she was old enough to understand that as the pregnancy progressed, that a baby was coming. And so she was excited. She was anticipating the birth. Now, Hannah, on the other hand, you saw her reaction. Hmm, no big deal. A brother... Now, it wasn't so much that it was a boy. It was just that at her age, she didn't really understand what it meant that a baby was coming. And when it comes to Christmas, I think we see the the similar reaction among people. There are those who really have no understanding. They hear there was a baby born at Bethlehem. His name was Jesus. And they go, hmm, no big deal. But there are others. There are others who have an understanding that this was a very significant event, and there is great excitement. As we turn in our Bible today to Luke chapter 2, we're going to see where there were two people who understood what this birth really meant. These are people who were looking ahead. There was great anticipation. And here in Luke chapter 2, we see where they meet this baby boy named Jesus. Now, as we look at Luke chapter 2, let me set the context for you. Because if we were reading through Luke's gospel, what we would see is that earlier... When Jesus is born in the stable at Bethlehem, there were those that had heard the news. This baby was here. Angels had appeared to the shepherds. 
And in Luke 2.11, it says, For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now, Luke shares here how the shepherds came, how they worshipped Jesus. And in verse 21, uh, Luke jumps ahead a few days. He tells us in verse 21, And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. If you're familiar with the Levitical law, there are different things that are said about a birth. And when it was a baby boy, one of the things was that he was to receive the sign of circumcision, the sign of the covenant that God gave to his people Israel. And so we're reading here that at the eighth day, he would be circumcised. Now, it was at this time that the official name was given. And we see his name was Jesus. Yeshua, a name that literally means Jehovah saves. It spoke of salvation. It spoke of this son that was given would be the one that God would use to save us from our sins. Now, in verses 22 through 24, Luke fast forwards another 32 more days. And this is where we pick up our story in verse 22. It says, and when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, was completed... They brought him, that is Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, what the Levitical law said is that when a woman gave birth to a a baby, she was considered unclean for a period of seven days. Now, if it were a boy, there was an additional 33 days that she was considered unclean. So as we add up all the time that has passed from the birth of Jesus to the time where Mary and Joseph enter into the temple courts to bring the baby as well as the sacrifices, he's about six weeks old at this point in the story. Now, another part of the law said that when a child was born, a lamb was to be offered as a burnt offering. When it's a baby boy, uh, there, were, there was turtle doves as well that were given as a sin offering. Now, as you look at our passage here, you'll notice that no lamb is mentioned. And the reason for this is that the Levitical law said that if you were too poor as a family to afford a lamb which was a fairly significant sacrifice, you could substitute two turtle doves, two birds. And we see in our passage that that's what happens, which tells you that the family, Mary and Joseph, were poor. These were peasants who had no resources. As God chose the family for his son to be born into, he didn't choose one of great affluence. He chose a poor family. In 2 Corinthians 8, 9, we're told, For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Now, even if it had been the most affluent family in the world, even if it had been the king in the land at the time, it was still a big step down. Remember that Jesus left his throne in heaven to come to the earth. But as he came, he came to one of the the poorest families that walked on the face of the earth. Now, we're told in Luke 2.23, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. The word holy means set apart. And so what the, the belief was, was the firstborn son was to be set apart for a life of service to the Lord. There were those like the Levites, the, the tribe that were the priestly line. There were those that served as priests like Aaron and his family that gave their life in service to the Lord in the temple. 
But each and every firstborn son was to be set apart in some significant way to serve the Lord. Now, if the family having the baby was not a part of the priestly line of the tribe of Levi, they could buy back the child by offering a lamb. This was the redemption price that was paid, or they could pay five shekels. Now, as we look at our passage, notice that there is no redemption price paid. And I think it's a very significant picture to see that Jesus was not redeemed by a lamb, but we're told in the scriptures he would be the lamb of God that would redeem us. Remember in John one twenty nine, as John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So rather than having a lamb sacrificed on his behalf, he would ultimately become our sacrifice, the lamb given to remove our sins. As Jesus is brought into the temple by Mary and Joseph, verse 25 tells us there is someone else that joins them there. If you've ever seen the temple courtyard, it's this massive place. And as people would come in, you can imagine the crowds that are milling around. And to see this husband and wife, this poor peasant couple carrying in a nonchalant baby in the midst of the massive crowds that are moving around, they would have attracted no attention. And yet we're told that somebody comes over to them in verse 25. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was, a righteous and, was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, the name Simeon means hears and obeys. And here we see that he hears from God and he obeys the prompting. Because in verse 26 it says, And it had been revealed to Simeon that the Holy, through by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, the word Christ means Messiah. It's the Greek word Christos. We hear that name, and some people think that uh, Jesus Christ is his first and last name, like I'm Roger Poupard, and you're so-and-so. Well, Jesus Christ. Christ was not the family name of, of Joseph. It means the Messiah. It was a special title pointing to who Jesus was, the promised Messiah. The Hebrew word is Hamashiach. They were looking for the Messiah, the one who would come. And Simeon here is described as being righteous and devout. It means he was a committed follower of God. This was something in that day that was in short supply, just as it is in our day, unfortunately. Another rarity about Simeon is we're told he has been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we have the Holy Spirit resident within us. After the day of Pentecost, all believers in Christ have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are sealed and we are indwelt. Uh, Corinthians tells us, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Lord and the Spirit of God dwells within you? But as you read through the Old Testament, you see that people were only given the gift of the Holy Spirit in very unique instances. It was something that came upon them for an empowerment. Prophets, kings, people who were given a special assignment and it could be withdrawn. And as Simeon, we're reading about him having the Holy Spirit. If you look at the scriptures, there had been 400 years of silence. After the book of Malachi, the last Old Testament book that was written, there was a a period of silence where people were waiting and listening, but God was silent. And so for Simeon to hear from God through the Holy Spirit was a very significant event. And so he had been told, you will not die until you see the promised Messiah. After hundreds of years of silence, at some point he's given this promise. Now, we're not told how old Simeon is, but early church tradition says he was a man that was over 100 years of age. Whatever his age is, he's been given this promise. 
And now as he comes, he says in verse 29, now I can depart in peace. I want you to stop for a moment and imagine what this is like. At some point, God has said to you, you will not die until you literally see the Messiah. Imagine waking up each and every morning going, is this the day? It's today the day where I see the Messiah. And as you're getting closer and closer to death, if you're passing around that age of 100 in that day, that was an extremely long life. It is in our day as well. And so one day he's there in the temple and God says, this is the day, go over there. There is the Messiah. And as he comes and he sees this baby, how many of us wake up each and every day saying, is this the day that I get to see God? Do any of you do that? I mean, we go through periods in our life maybe, but after a while, it's just mundane. We wake up, the alarm, we slap it off, we come, oh, it's Christmas again. But do we really think about this could be the day? The Bible tells us Jesus Christ is coming back. For some of us, we will see Christ when we physically pass from this earth. But Jesus Christ could come back in our lifetime. Do we ever wake up and think, this is the day that I will meet the Messiah? And does it affect the way in which we live our life? Well, here Simeon was one who was looking forward to this day, not with fear, but with excitement. And even though he's being described as devout and righteous, he wasn't counting on how good he was to get to God. The Bible tells us none of us can be good enough to get to God by how we live. Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. And that includes a godly man like Simeon. He was looking forward to the consolation of Israel, the passage tells us. Consolation is something that is given to us to bring comfort in times of loss. And Simeon, as he looks at Israel that was under enemy occupation and they had lost their their freedom and their status, and, and he ultimately looking forward to the day when he would lose his earthly life, he knows that it is the Messiah, Jesus, that will save him, save us. Without the coming of Jesus, Simeon and all of us would be lost in our sins. But because of God's great love for us, he gave us the Christ, the promised Messiah. I want, you to show, I want to show you another video clip where you see what happens when my daughter Sarah left our house and we went to the hospital and she was able to meet Zachary. She had this anticipation. She had been waiting for it. But here's the moment where she actually got to to hold her brother for the first time. From a very early age, she's been like that, as you can see. I wonder how the scene looked different. I mean, we've already described it. It's a temple courtyard. There's chaos around. There's this, this uh, peasant couple coming with a nonchalant baby. But I wonder how close it was to this. As this man who had been waiting approaches the baby, was there a sense of wonder? Look at what verses 27 through 32 tell us. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when, the, when his parents brought him, uh, and when the parents brought the child Jesus 
to carry out for him the custom of the law. Then he, this is Simeon, took him into his arms and he blessed God. And he said, now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you promised to the the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Put yourself in the place of Mary and Joseph for a moment. You're walking through the crowd and suddenly this man walks up to you. You've never met him. He's this older, elderly person where, where his arms shaking. We don't know, but he says, let me hold your baby. And you as a brand new mother holding your six-week-old child about that age are thinking, what? But she, she gives the baby to Simeon. And Simeon, as he takes this child in his, in his arms, the wonder on his face, and he says, now I can depart. The word depart means now I can die. The word means to release a prisoner, to untie a ship and let it set sail, to take down a tent. It was all vivid pictures of what happens when we die. As we fold up our tent called our earthly body, as we are unmoored from this earth and we set sail and we we pass from earth to heaven into God's presence. And Simeon says, now I can depart in peace. Because he knows he is going to go home. He's been waiting for the Messiah. His faith is in the Messiah, not how good of a man he's been. And for all of us here today who have received Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Savior, the Bible tells us that is what gives us our entrance into heaven. And it tells us on the day we die in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. When our heavenly, eternal soul departs from our body, we go right into the Lord's presence. And this is what Simeon says. I can depart in peace. I can die and I know that I will go into God's presence. As, as he holds this baby, I mean, imagine the mind-boggling moment for this man. The one who knows that God holds him in the palm of his hand says, I am holding God in my hands. I see the promise. God incarnate, God with flesh on. And there's a sense of wonder. In verses 29 through 32, Simeon breaks into a song of thanksgiving. He praises God for fulfilling his promises to send the Messiah the Savior, not just for the Jews, but as you see in verse 32, he says for the Gentiles as well. This baby is for Jew and Gentile to save all of us. Verse 33 says, And his, his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. They were amazed. Now I want you to remember all the things that have happened to this point. Remember that when Mary was uh, at the moment of conception, the, the angel Gabriel appeared to her. She has seen an angel. The word angelos means a messenger. Gabriel, the messenger, shows up and says, God will give the Messiah through you. Joseph had seen an angelic messenger as well. He had been told as he thought maybe Mary had been unfaithful. He was told by God, no, Mary has been faithful. This is my son given through her. They had had others who had seen angelic messengers. The shepherds who were in the field had the angels appear to them. When Jesus had been born in the manger, they went and they worshipped him. And you'll recall that there as they came, it says that in Luke chapter 2, that Mary treasured up these things in her heart as she hears the news that the angels have appeared, these shepherds are worshipping 
She's had all these marvelous experiences, and now this man comes and says, This, this baby is the Christ, the Messiah. In Luke 2.19, as she heard from the shepherds, it says, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. As Mary ponders, as she thinks about these things, she knew this was a very special baby. But I wonder if she really knew what all of it meant. I mean, here she's hearing this is the Messiah. When does she really grasp what that fully means? Was she like all the other people in that day? looking for the Messiah to be this military conqueror who would come and overthrow Rome? Did she think for a moment, maybe, my son will be elevated and he will free our people? Well, Simeon makes sure she understands all that it means for the Messiah. Because many were overlooking the prophecies, like Isaiah 53, that spoke of the coming Messiah and said that he would have to die by going to a cross where he would be pierced, where he would be smitten, where he would be beaten to a pulp, And it says, through his sacrifice, our transgressions would be removed. Last week, Michael talked about the covenants and how people were looking forward to things like the millennial kingdom when Christ will reign here on the earth. And he will indeed fulfill that. The Davidic throne that was talked about, Christ will fulfill and he will be that earthly reigning king. But before the crown, there had to be the cross. And this is what Simeon is pointing to in the words of verses 34 and 35. And Simeon blessed him, and he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce even your own soul, to that end that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon reveals that Jesus is the Messiah that would be the fork in the road, that when people were confronted with the name of Jesus Christ, they would have to make a decision. Do they receive him? as the promised Messiah, and are saved, or will they reject him and therefore one day be rejected as well? In John fourteen six, Jesus Christ said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And as we think about Christmas and the baby of Bethlehem, the story is not complete without understanding that the baby of Bethlehem came to be the Christ of Calvary. And this is what Simeon is pointing to. As he gives these words of prophecy, they are words that would be fulfilled as Mary would be there at the cross watching her son be crucified. Verses 36 through 38 introduce us to another person who approaches and begins to speak. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And as a prophetess, another one that God had revealed things to, and as she's there in the temple courts, God draws her over to this little conglomeration. The parents, the baby, Simeon, and now Anna joins the the group. We're told she's advanced in years, and yet she's here faithfully serving the Lord. You know, sometimes I talk to those who are older in age, others who may even be young but are struggling physically, and they say, Roger, what can I do? How can I serve God? And what we see here is a very significant ministry that she had, one of prayer, one where she was faithful to pray. And it's something that all of us can do. 
And here she comes and, and she sees the baby and she too begins to thank God. She breaks into the Thanksgiving and she begins to broadcast to everybody walking by. Here's this little hub of people in the crowds and as people are going by, she's saying, hey, the Messiah right here. I mean, imagine again for a moment what this is like. She speaks of this being the, the redemption of Israel. This is the same word that is used in Hebrews 9.12, where it says, And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered into the holy place, once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. What that is speaking of, in the temple courtyard, you had the outer courtyard, and then you could go into the inner one, the court of women, and then into where the court of men would be. And beyond that was the rail and the brazen altar where the sacrifices were offered. And as you went further into the temple, there was the Holy of Holies, where the mercy seat was, was behind the veil. And only the high priest could enter once a year behind the, the veil of the Holy of Holies to put the, the blood of the, the Lamb on the altar, the bull's sacrifice as well would be put on what was called the halismas, the mercy seat. And, and this is speaking of the redemption that would come through the blood of John one twenty nine, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I mean, again, imagine the picture. Here is a approximately six-week-old baby that in 30-something years, it will be his blood that will be presented on the Holy of Holies seat that will cause that temple curtain to be torn in two, that veil of separation that kept us from God, that, that physical sign of the separation of our sin from his would be torn in two by this very baby. And as people are there, they're bringing their own sacrifices. They're rushing past the redemption of Israel. Again, we see a picture today in a different setting where if you've been into the malls and the madness that is there, and you see people rushing around trying to get, get in there because that's what Christmas is all about, right? Getting that perfect gift. And what we see in this passage today is God's perfect gift was given to us. And if any of us would stop rushing by, and we would just stop and linger for a moment and listen and hear, this is the present. This is the gift that God has for you and for me. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave us a Christmas gift. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And this is what Anna and Simeon are pointing to. He is here. The Messiah is here. Now, I'm sure for some of those who, who heard and stopped and said, Where? Show me. They go, Are you kidding me? I mean, again, remember, you have this poor peasant couple, two older people, and a nonchalant-looking baby, and everybody's going, this? This is what you're talking about? Have you ever had that reaction where you tell somebody, God has a gift for you? God gave us his redemption through his son? And they go, you, you, you mean that baby? That baby born that people say in a manger in Bethlehem? That? That's what it's all about, and they laugh at you? I wonder how many laughed, how many walked by. Remember, they were looking for a conquering king. They were looking for one who would overthrow Rome. But here it was, and many were missing it. 
Now, some are going to say, well, you know, when, when he shows up in all his glory, when there's no doubt about who he is, when he returns as this conquering king, well, that day, that day I'll, I'll receive him. But friends, the scriptures tell us that that day will be too late. Back in the days of the Wild West, there was a frontier town. And there was a, a wagon parked in front of a general store. It had a little boy sitting in the back while the parents were in the store. And something spooked the horse, and this wagon takes off with this little boy in the back. Now, as it rumbles out of town at a breakneck speed, it's, it's headed full speed. Uh, it's either going to flip over or go into this chasm that is ahead. And there was a, a young man who saw this happen, and he runs and he jumps on his horse, and he takes off also at a breakneck speed, and he catches up with the wagon. And he risked his life to jump into the wagon and to stop this runaway horse, saving this little boy's life. Now, that little boy grew up. And over time, he unfortunately became a lawless man, committed all kinds of horrendous crimes. And one day he had been arrested and he was brought before the frontier judge to be sentenced to death for his crimes. And as this man is standing there in front of the, the bench where the judge is, he recognizes the judge on the bench as that previously young man who had come and saved his life that day. And appealing to that past relationship, he says, do you remember me? He said, you saved me that day. And the judge looks at him and he silenced this criminal at this point with these words. Young man, on that day I was your savior, but today I am your judge. And I must sentence you to be hanged. And what Jesus will say to us one day is, on that day, I desire to be your savior. I came to save you. But today, as we read Revelation chapter 20, in Revelation twenty eleven, he says, but on this day, I am your judge. And all of you who stand before me at this point will be removed from my presence and sent to what is called the lake of fire the place of eternal separation from God. In Hebrews 9.27, we're told, inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after that comes judgment. When Jesus comes back to the earth again, it will be as our judge, not as our savior. And that time when he returns physically to the earth, there will be a separation of those who know him from those who do not know him. And on that day, it will be too late. He came and he gave his life for me and for you. And if you're here today and you've never received his great gift, I invite you to do so. To unwrap God's great Christmas present to you of John 3.16 where he gave his only begotten son that if you will believe in him, you will be saved. Now he has this gift of eternal life he wants to give us. And when you understand who God is and why he has come, there should be and can be and will be Great joy in your life. I continue to talk to Hannah about what does it mean to have a brother. And then I also took her to the hospital with Sarah that day. And I want you to watch this clip where she finally understands what it means to have a baby brother. Watch this clip. Don't drop him, okay, There's, can you take Sarah's side? Sarah's side? I'm taking your sister's picture. So. He's starting to get out of the 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 He's starting to get out of the
money goes to him by, by the side You're of the on street? the other side over there, some money from y'all. That's great. <laughs> yeah, look at the smile. If you like You know, there are people all around us who have heard about a baby named Jesus who was born in Bethlehem. But when they come to finally grasp and understand, what does that mean? Who is Jesus, Jehovah saves? Who is the Christ, the promised Messiah? What does it really mean for us at that moment where they grasp it, where they understand this is God with flesh on the one who came and was given a body and blood so that he could be the sacrifice who would go to the cross to be the Christ of Calvary. When they grasp that truth, there is great joy when they fully understand it. And for all of us here today who have come to that point of understanding, God has a message for us as well. He says not only are we to rejoice in it, but we are to become messengers. We are to become like Simeon and Anna. We are to be like the angels, that word that means messenger, and proclaim the good news for those who don't yet grasp what does it mean. So as we come to a close today, I want to leave you with three M's. As you think about this Christmas, this season, which of these three M's do you need to do in your life? Do you need to meet Jesus? It may be that there are some here this morning who don't yet know Jesus, in that personal way, understanding that this, this baby of Bethlehem is the Son of God, the Savior who came on my behalf. And if you've never received him as your personal Savior, Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Do you need to meet Jesus this Christmas season? Or maybe you need to marvel Maybe you need to marvel at God's great gift. Maybe the Christmas story has just become so routine to you. It's just another time to say, yeah, the baby was born. We sing the same songs and and then we move on. Do we need to, to do as Mary did and treasure these things up in our heart? Do we need to do as Mary and Joseph did and they were amazed at the things that were being said? Do we need to remember what it means for God to take on flesh and blood? Do we need to marvel this Christmas season at his great gift to us? And finally, do we need to be a messenger? Do we need to be those who will go into the world, to our workplaces, to the streets in our neighborhood, to our friends from school, and share with them the news that The baby of Bethlehem has come to be the Christ of Calvary. In Luke 10 through 11, the angel declared, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Will you join me, please, as we go to the Lord in prayer? Lord God, we thank you for your great gift to us.
We thank you, Father, for your great love for us, that you were willing to leave heaven and come to earth to die in our place, to be the Christ, the sacrifice, the Messiah who would fulfill the the prophecies and pay the penalty of death that was owed. Lord God, I pray that if there's anyone here today who's not yet received your son, that today would be the day where they unwrap the greatest Christmas present ever given. And Father, for those who maybe feel that they're, they're not worthy, that their life is too big a mess, may you remind them, Father, of the truth of Romans 5, 8, that you demonstrated your own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You died, Jesus, to save us. When we were at our worst in rebellion and running from you, you left heaven to come here, to run after us, to give your life as a ransom, to be the redemption, to be the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. Father, for the rest of us who have received you in the past, your gift, Jesus, may we be those who would be messengers, who would take the good news the good news of the gospel, and would we go and share with others what it means for the baby to come. And Father, for those of us who have forgotten to marvel at the amazing gift that this was, to have our minds blown anew by the the fact that you, God, the creator, became part of the creation, that you took on flesh and blood. Father, would we look with new wonder at this Christmas and what the Christmas story really means for us. We pray these things in the name of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We'd love to have you come back and worship with us on Christmas Eve, but if you're not able to be here, may you go and have a blessed Christmas as you celebrate the birth of our Savior. You're dismissed.